With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's your risk number? Find your true north. On the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, you'll find financial tips, insights, and information to help you plan for your future. True North Wealth Partners has locations in Dublin and Wooster, Ohio, while serving clients nationwide, dedicated to God, country, clients, and family. To learn more about the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, visit MyTrueNorthWP.com. That's MyTrueNorthWP.com. True North Wealth Partners, welcome home. Hey guys, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions like how do I record an episode? How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now... Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year, and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, So if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers. From the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here's your host, Ben Dieter. All right, everyone, we're joined by Chris Halleck from Inside the Rangers. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you, thank you for, uh, for having me on. And that's a beautiful Saturday morning. The weather is starting to cool down a little bit. Still not as cool as I like it, but hey, it's not 100 degrees every day anymore. Exactly. It's Texas. I don't think it ever actually gets cool except for about two weeks. In the <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with uh, someone I've been getting a lot of questions about, and I bet you have too. Is this the end of the Elvis Andrews era in Texas? I don't believe so. I think that the the Rugnet Odor experience has a better chance of ending than the Elvis Andrews experience. So Elvis, first off, he's going to have a longer leash than anybody else on the team. Uh, Not just because of being a veteran, but obviously 
everybody just – I shouldn't have – I'm not going to have to ex- explain what Elvis Andrews means to the Texas Rangers. It, it's very obvious. This yeah. is a guy who came into the league um, <laughs> forcing Michael Young to change positions because that's what the Rangers wanted, and he has been the everyday shortstop ever since until this season. Um, and And it's really been because of injury and obviously – Listen, he's been really struggling with a lot of back pain, like a lot of back pain. And he is hoping that these treatments, these injections that he's getting um, are going to help it. He can strengthen up this offseason. So I I truly believe, and he's not going to use it as an excuse, but he's been playing through a lot of pain this year. So I, I would like to believe that part of his performance, both at the plate and in the field, have something to do with the pain that he's feeling. Um, hopefully the treatments that they're doing are, are going to help. It's going to, he's going to be able to be healthy and go into spring training and hopefully the regular season and be healthy again. Is he the shortstop next season? I think that is much more in doubt than whether he's going to be in a Rangers uniform. I think unless, unless John Daniels gets some sort of lucrative trade offer for Elvis Andrews, which I don't see a lot of clubs lining up to trade for an aging shortstop that who seems to be on the, on the decline. Um, so I, I think he's going to be in a Rangers uniform. Uh, Rigan Odor, on the other hand, I, I, I'm not as confident that he will be. I'm not saying he's definitely going to be traded, but the fact that they were at least talking with other teams at the trade deadline makes me think that those conversations could continue. So, but Elvis, I, I think Elvis is a Ranger next year. If I were to, if I were to place a bet on it, I, I would bet he's a Ranger next year. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And I was thinking he may also not be the everyday shortstop, but you know, I think he has a long leash, and it was just the fact that they said, you know, that everyone would have to make the team out of spring training, including Elvis, that made everyone think. But I think, in their minds, he is going to make the team very easily out of spring training. Uh, and you know, you look at, and like I said, I don't know if he's going to be the shortstop because I wrote about this, I think, like maybe over a month ago now. But I said that Isaiah kind of is going to be the next shortstop of the Texas Rangers, and. That might be, you know, that might have seemed like, you know, hot take garbage at the time or, uh, you know, one, you know, a beat writer's just being you know, overly opinionated. But now, I mean, here we are. It's John Daniels has pretty much said that Isaiah Counter-Falefa is being looked at at both at both third base and shortstop next year. Um, <laughs> his skill set fits both. He has a chance to win a gold glove at third base. And if he, let's just say hypothetically, he does win the gold glove at third base. Do you ask a, a gold glove third baseman to change positions? It's not the first time it would happen in the club's history for, you know, ask to, to ask a player who just won a gold glove to change positions, you know, happened with Michael Young, you know, same thing with Elvis Andrews. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think Elvis could, could be the second baseman maybe. But Elvis has never played any other position in his professional career. He's been a shortstop throughout the entire – so just saying, oh, well, this guy can play another position. Well, it's not always that easy. So um, I, I'm curious, and I think I'm going to ask Chris Woodward about that one of the next times we're, we're in one of his pregame or postgame Zoom calls. Like how hard is it for somebody to change positions? You know, So I think that's a good question to ask the manager. I think it is too. Right? And we all know, you know, that Rugi has had struggles for now several straight seasons. And we know that, uh, you know, it's been a very difficult for him to, I mean, hit the ball at all, not strike out a lot. And we, we kind of mentioned him a minute ago, but 
how good would he have to play in spring training if he's still here to earn that everyday second base starters? Because it seems like they've given him an incredibly long leash this year. Um, I, I think, and listen, I, I understand fans' frustration with the Rangers trotting out Rugnetador as much as they have. And, and here lately, it's been more because of injury. And and necessity more than it has been. Oh, we want we want Odor to get a look now. Early on in the season, before the trade deadline, yeah, it was because listen, this is a guy they signed to a six year contract, so they have to try to get, they have to take as many chances as they possibly can. If you if you bought or if somebody bought a used car, and it came with a lot of issues. Most of the time, somebody's not just going to trade it in or sell it and take the the financial hit um, just just to get it out of their hands because a lot of us don't have that kind of money. They're gonna you're gonna replace parts. You're gonna do a bunch of different things to try to get this car to run and try to get this car to be what you what you thought it was going to be when you purchased it. It's the same thing with the Rangers and Rubin Odor. When they invest that kind of money, when they invest a six-year contract into a player, they're going to do everything they possibly can to get that to get that player to live up to that contract. After four years, when you're starting to hear you're saying his everyday spot is not guaranteed on the club next year, when you put together the fact that they were talking with uh, with at least one other team about a money swap deal at the trade deadline, which is what Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News reported. You know, that that is those are some signs that the Rangers are getting tired. So fans are fans have been tired, but there are signs there that the Rangers are tired of it, too. So what can he do in spring training uh, if he's still on the team? Uh, it, I think what if we were to ask Chris Woodward that question, it's all about their approach to the plate. If Ruben Odor, every single time he goes up to the plate, does exactly what Chris Woodward wants him to do, then I think that he would probably win a spot. But he's now been under Chris Chris Woodward's team for two years, and his status has declined over that over those two years. So yeah. I don't see it happening, um, and which is why I, I think that if the Rangers can find a way to pull off a money swap deal, they're going to do it. And I think that the one that Evan Grant reported that the, the money swap with the, the Red Sox for Nathan Eovaldi probably makes the most sense. The Rangers would have to bring back more money. Um, but it fills a rotation need, which the Rangers might need next year, and it gets Rick door off the books and allows guys like Nick Solak, Elvis Andrews possibly to change positions and shift over to second base, opens up a hole for Anderson Tejeda if they feel like he's ready um, to, to be in an everyday role next year. So it, it opens up a lot of possibilities, and that one intrigues me the most. All right, let's move on to, you just mentioned Tejeda, and then we've got Tavares, and you've got Wes Benjamin, and you've got Nick Solak, all these guys that are up this year because really there's no spring training and the Rangers want an extended look at them. Are they, I know they said the payroll is going to be smaller next year than it is this year. So they're not looking to go out and get a bunch of free agent veterans to come play on the team. How many of these single A guys do you think have a legitimate shot of being everyday starters in 2021? I think Leo Tavares has the best chance. And if, again, if I were a betting man, I think he would have to do a lot to not be the everyday center fielder at the beginning of the season in, in, in 2021. Um, 
he's gone through a little bit of a rough stretch over the last few games. Um, he, he's gotten a few hits. He got, a few, he got like, I think three hits in the Houston series, but he had a, he had a rough Friday night, uh, in, in LA against the angels. Um, but you're going to expect that with a guy who, uh, is not known for his bat. He's known for his glove. Um, but a lot of the signs are there that this guy could possibly hit at the major level. And remember, this guy is insanely young. He's 21 years old. You know, he is very, very young. Um, he just, he barely got a taste of double A. Um, so I think Leota Taveras actually has a really good shot of not just being on the team, but being the everyday center fielder, just because his defense and his speed on the bases is that good. And he's shown that in a very short, uh, in a very short sample size. Um, so uh, Anderson Tejeda, they don't seem as uh, committed to having a role on the team next year. Um, and it's not because, because honestly, you look at his numbers and you're like, this guy hasn't played above, you know, single A ball. Wow. That guy, guy's really having a good, you know, first experience in the major leagues. And he really is. Uh, I think with Chris Woodward, more than anything with him, it's not his defense. It's not, um, it's not his his base running or anything like that. It's his approach to the plate because he is super aggressive and it's finding a way to harness that uh, aggressive nature at the at the plate and that aggressive approach so that you're not just swinging at the first pitch every single time. Because if you do that at the major league level, you're not going to last, obviously, because then pitchers are never going to throw you a strike and you're you're you're, you're screwed. You. And, he, and he did something on Friday night that was really impressive. He took the first pitch right down the middle then took a ball and then took another. And then on the third pitch day at bat, I, I believe it was, it was another fastball. And it was a harder fastball to hit. And he turns on it and lines it out and beats the shift, like hits it over the second baseman. Who's, you know, shifted into the outfield and places it right in between the second baseman and the outfield and the right fielder. I mean, just a, a, a one at bats like that is what's going to be a good thing for Anderson Tejeda. Uh, West Benjamin. It really depends on what they do with, I think anything that happens with the rotation uh, or the pitching staff is going to begin and end with what they do with Corey Kluber. It doesn't sound like they're going to pick up his club option, which is $18 million, which, you know, for a guy who's had two injury riddled seasons, that that's a lot to commit to a player. Um, So it doesn't sound like they're going to pick up that club option. Are they able to resign him? Do they bring back a guy like Mike Miner? Um, they are more likely to supplement the rotation using external sources like free agency and trades. Uh, that doesn't mean that's exactly what they're going to do because they did say that the payroll is going to shrink. But listen, the payroll was around $147, $148 million last year. So, you know, how much it's going to shrink, that's, that remains to be seen. If it's closer to what it was in 2019 when it was like $125, $128 million, they still have some money to spend because they have some they have some contracts coming off the books, including Shinsu choose $21 million. So yeah. um, they, they have, they have uh, the ability to do, to do a lot of things with the rotation. It just, it, when it comes to West Benjamin, I think they need to see a little bit more before they commit to him to any kind of a, you know, Hey, we're giving these ball once every five days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I heard talk about possibly bringing Jeff Mathis back for next year. I know he's bad. He's not been good at the plate but he's great behind the plate and he's got some great veteran leadership. You think that they bring him in sort of to mentor the, uh, the younger catchers. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, 
just they, the Rangers really value Jeff Mathis and what he brings to the table. And, and they are fully aware. And Jeff himself is fully aware of the offensive struggles. Um, they, they all, I mean, Jeff, Jeff talked about, it. he said, I wish I wasn't batting 180. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a struggle, you know, uh, and it's hard for fans, but listen, if they bring back Jeff Mathis, they're not bringing him back to be the everyday catcher. They're not bringing him back to catch, you know, anything more than 60 games. They're bringing him back to, they're bringing him back to, to be a mentor behind Jose Trevino, who from everything, from Everything that we're seeing, everything that we're hearing, it sounds like that Jose Trevino is going to be the guy behind the plate next year, which he's done everything possible to earn that spot. He's hit really well. He communicates to the pitchers really well. He's taking on a leadership role at, at a you know with very little major league experience. You know, that that's a that's a huge thing for a young player to come in and to to take on a leadership role like that. You know, just you know, those are the type of players, you know. He kind of reminds me of it like a Yadier Molina a little bit, like in terms of just a guy who's just able to come in and take command of the pitching staff, um, hits enough at the plate, you know, to, to be a threat. Uh, but he's not going to, he's not going to win a batting title. He's not going to win a, he's not going to be a home run champion or anything like that, but he's going to do enough damage at the plate to, to be a threat. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, that's kind of my comparison. I guess that's just my age. I'm not saying he's going to win as many gold gloves as Yadier Molina did, uh, but it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility because Trevino is a great a great catcher, you know, for for a young guy. So uh, Jeff Mathis, if they bring him back, it's not going to be in a big role. Uh, so I don't see his lack of offensive production being um, the the black hole in the lineup that it was in 2019. Uh, he's you know Mathis has had to play a little bit this year, but listen, they've had to, they. they Every single chance Chris Woodward has had to either have Trevino in there or have Sam Huff in there instead of having Mathis in there, that just kind of shows that while they love having Mathis there and they think he's a great teammate, we don't want him in there that often. We don't want him in there more than two days at a time, or hopefully no more than more than no more than a day at a time. So if they bring him back, it's going to be in a smaller role. So I don't think his offensive production would. Uh, be as big of a factor as fans perceive just because of what they saw in 2019. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Do you think, uh, do you think Lance Lynn has a legitimate shot at the Cy Young award? If it weren't for Shane Bieber? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Lynn has been so good this year. Um, it's been, it's been a real, uh, I'm, this is probably the best we've seen a pitcher for the Texas Rangers. Now, granted, it's only it's a very shortened season, but I mean, honestly, probably since you Darvish, and I think he finishes a runner up yeah. uh, in 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 the Cy Young uh, in the Cy Young race. So, you know, this is a guy who, yeah, if it weren't for Shane Bieber, I think he has a really really good shot. And I think unless Shane Bieber just absolutely craps the bed in in his last few uh, couple of starts of the season, um, I think Bieber's a. a pretty much an already a lock for the American league Cy Young, but, and that's unfortunate because Lynn has had a really, really good year. Um, so yeah, unfortunately as good as Lynn has been this year, he's had like one really bad start and then everything else has been either, you know, a couple of, you know, like really, really fighting out there, but keeping the team in the game. And then the rest of the time he's just been lights out. So, um, yeah, it, it 
I'd love to see Lynn win it, but unless Bieber just absolutely falls off a cliff at the end, uh, I think it's Bieber's award to lose. Yeah, I mean, Lynn has one third of the Rangers' wins. He has six of the eighteen wins. Yeah, I, it's it's <laughs> you do that in a, in a regular season. I mean, that's that's impossible because <laughs> you can't even start a third of the no. of the games <laughs> in the, that that are played in the season. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I know the postseason and the World Series has been announced. Is it kind of an insult to the Rangers that the World Series is going to be a globe life field? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 when we talked to uh, to Rob Matwick of the Texas Rangers, uh, executive vice president of uh, business operations, you know, he uh, he said we want the Rangers to be there, obviously. But he said uh, this is a uh, uh, I don't want to uh, my words for for him uh, were it's it's a nice consolation prize. Um, it's, uh, yes, the Rangers aren't going to be there. And yes, the first playoff game uh, in globe life field history won't involve the Texas Rangers. And yes, the first world series played in globe life field won't involve the Texas Rangers, but listen, this is a, this is a great experience for potential, potentially for fans to attend for the first game that, um, globe life field hosts fans be a, be a postseason game. Potentially. Uh, I think that's a big deal. Um, I think, uh, just the fact that you can have the postseason there, you can have the world series there, that that's a big opportunity for the club to, to show off their, their new crown jewel that they, um, value so much and that they weren't able to show, uh, their normal paying customers this year. Um, so yeah, they want the Rangers to be there and obviously that's not going to happen this year. So. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it sucks <laughs> for, for a lot of people. Yep. Uh, but I don't think they're looking at it as like, this is like an insult or anything like that. <laughs> they're looking at it as we're going to take it as mu- we're going to take as much advantage possible of uh, a really bad situation, both in terms of the, what the, the impact the pandemic had on the season. And then obviously the Rangers not playing well, uh, in the season that was played. So do you think uh, you think they hit the twenty win mark? That's two in the next nine. Do you think they can pull that off? Yes. Yeah, I think they win at least twenty games. Uh, I don't know if they win twenty two, which that's a that's a pretty pretty lousy season. Uh, you know, in the sixty game season, even if they were to win twenty two games, but I think they win at least two. Yeah, I, I think they would have to. I don't think they're going to have another stretch like they had where they went three and 17 in, in the, in the second third of the season, you know, they started off 10 and 10 and then they followed that up with a three and 17 record. I don't think they're going to have that kind of a, I don't, I don't even know what their, what the record is. I mean, obviously I think they've been better. Yeah. They've already been better than that. They've already had more wins in the final 20 games uh, than, than they had in the middle, in the middle third of the season. So yeah, uh, no, I think they went 20. All right, well, we're recording this on a Saturday. Let's switch gears a little bit. I know you and I talked a little bit on Twitter. We're both hockey fans. The uh, Stanley Cup pl- uh, finals start tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. So I know Stars are underdogs, but they've been underdogs in several other series. Uh, how do you think the uh, series goes, and are you excited about the uh, beginning of the Stanley Cup tonight? I'm, well, anytime the Stanley Cup is played, uh, the, only, the only time I'm – the only thing that's throwing me off is the fact that it's happening in, uh, in, in mid-September. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's the only thing that's throwing me off, but, um, because right now I'm usually in baseball mode and football season just started and I'm getting into hockey mode, but it's because of training camp, not because of the yeah. Stanley cup. Um, Tampa Bay is a good team. They're a really good team. Uh, 
you know, I, I grew up a Penguins fan, uh, so I've seen the Penguins play Tampa Bay recently in the playoffs. Their team looked a little different back then uh, when the Penguins played them in the Eastern Conference Final before they uh, uh, won their first of, of a back-to-back uh, against San Jose. Uh, but a lot of the same players are still there. They play a similar style. Uh, they're a fast team. Uh, they have a lot of skill. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for the Stars for sure. Um, yeah, they've been underdogs in a lot of series. I think the, the one series that surprised me more than anything with the Stars has been uh, the Colorado series. Um, yeah. But the but the way that Dallas played against Colorado makes me think that Dallas could possibly beat Tampa Bay. Um, I think it's going to be a long series. Uh, unless I, I think and I, I don't I, I don't like to put it on the goal on the goalie at all. Um, but if Anton Kudobin can't keep up what he's doing then I think this is going to be a shorter series. I think that Tampa Bay wins in five, maybe six games. And I think even six games would be, would be good if, if, but if Kudobin keeps doing what he's doing, if he continues to be a brick wall and, and Dallas can, can play, you know, really good uh, hockey in their own zone. They had a couple games uh, in the, uh, in the Vegas series where they just played so well in their own zone and, and in the neutral zone, they just clogged up the, the middle of the ice and did not allow the other, they were, they were forcing the other team to, to dump and chase every single time. And, and they were able to get back and retrieve the puck and get the puck out of their zone. They, they did a really great job of that. So um, if they can do that against Tampa Bay and Kudobin can continue to play really well in goal, then it's just going to be a question of how many goals can, can the star score? Can you, can Jamie Ben continue to, you know, play like he did at the end of the Vegas series. Can Tyler Sagan start putting the puck in the back of the net? Can, uh, you know, can Radulov continue to come up with big goals? You know, just a, a bunch, you know, Gary Onoff, can he continue what he's, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys who can put the puck in the net and they're going to have to do that against Tampa Bay. And uh, obviously that, that's going to be a challenge. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull for the stars. I'm going to say the stars win in seven games. Yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah, as, as like I grew up here, uh, you know, I, I told you I was born in Pennsylvania, but I moved here when I was nine, grew up here as a Stars fan, really got into them in the 99, obviously, season, 2000 season when they won, mm-hmm. and went and lost in 2000 and have kept up with them, but I'm not a huge hockey fan. I'll admit to being fair weather as they get deep in the playoffs, I really start paying attention, but <laughs> I'm a big hockey fan and I'm telling you right now, if you love sports, you've got college football on today, you've got the Stanley Cup playoffs, you've got the Rangers, you've got... Uh, you know, golf, you've got all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, U.S. Open's going on, Two yeah. months ago when we had no sports, you would never have a day like this again. Yeah, where you have the U.S., uh, you know, the, the third day of the U.S. Open, um, which Tiger Woods got got, yeah. got cut after the second day. Of that you know, I think it was 10 over. It was crazy. But, yeah, you have the third day of the U.S. Open. You got the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you got college football. It's a, it's a, it's a huge day. Uh, I think I saw – I don't remember who it was, but I saw. I think I think it might have been Bryce Patrick of uh, Dallas Morning News say uh, something like one day that there was like, okay, it's like I think I can finally say that there's too many sports on. I was like, no, there's it's not possible. No. It's not possible to have too many sports on. I, I will I will take I will take I will take days like this where there are <laughs> where you don't have enough TVs to keep up with everything that's going on. Um, it to uh, that than what we were dealing with during the pandemic when there was just absolutely nothing on. So I will gladly take things like this. Hey, they have apps for that. You can put it on a tablet or phone and several TVs and watch it all at once. 
Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got YouTube TV. You've got a uh, a bunch of different things. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you go, Chris. I appreciate the time this morning. Oh uh, no problem. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again. That's Chris Halleck from Inside the Rangers. Have a good one, sir. You too. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.